Thanks for listening to Mosaic, a Jesus-centered communities podcast. Our goal is to help people experience a Jesus-centered life. You can find out more about us at welcometomosaic.info. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast as well as rate and review it so others can hear it as well. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, Mosaic. How you doing? Yeah? Yeah. Okay, well, I hope you're doing better by the time we're leaving. So anyways, I'm Paul. I'm so happy to be with you today and bringing the word to you today. I'm loving this series on the family, aren't you? Let's be a little more enthusiastic than we were about the day. Come on. Yeah, there we go. The, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> this is how I fight my battles, that song, you know, it made me think. This didn't, I didn't prepare this part, but it just makes me think, man. We, we, we face battles, and when we talk about this is how I fight my battles, we're talking about, man, in worship and in prayer and in, and, and in running to faith in Jesus and things, and, and we have so many battles, and sometimes the battle is at home, isn't it? Battle just is right there, and it, and it rages, and how do we fight that battle? Usually the wrong way, but man, we, we, we run to faith in Jesus. That's a lot about what I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, I'm going to talk, we've hit a lot of topics, and we've got a few more to come in this series. I'm really glad, I'm loving the Luke series. I uh, can't wait to get back to it, but I'm really glad that we, we took this break, because this has been awesome to talk about the family and the home. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about parenting, and sometimes Sometimes when you're talking about something like the family, you've got to hit certain topics, and you're not always hitting every group of people, although we have a lot of parents uh, here in the room, uh, but, but the, you just, I want to resist the, the feeling that I'm leaving some out, but while I'm talking about parenting today, I think there's definitely a general attitude uh, toward others that I think we could all benefit from. Um, and I realize you've, you've already heard some great sermons about the family, even about parenting already, and I'm glad to get to share my heart about it as well. Uh, before we do that, though, can I show you my kids? This is, this is, this is how they're stuck in my head, all right? They are, uh, so of course, Madison is the upside down one. She's 23 and married. Uh, Dayton over here is 20. Landon's 18, going off to college in the fall. And Morgan, look at that a little bit. She's 13. <laughs> and they're going to be 14 later this fall. But um, yeah, Dayton's almost 21 and stuff. And so we're kind of, we, we, we've been there. feels like we've been there, done that. There's one point uh, where our kids, four kids, uh, elementary, middle school, high school, and college. And Dayton was the high schooler, and he didn't have his license yet. And it's like, how are we doing this, you know? But um, anyways, uh, love my kids, proud of my kids. They're awesome. Uh, and of course, my, my, my amazing wife, Vicki, who's one of the finest human beings on the planet. And if you know her, you would affirm that. Uh, our number one goal for our kids has always been for them to love Jesus on their own. That's always been the number one goal, you know? Uh, we have other goals for them, you know, a little more temporal in scope, you know. Without a four kids, we're hoping one of them would at least be the retirement plan for us, you know. But, uh, but uh, so we have some, uh, some goals. But the number one goal has been for them to love Jesus on their own. And when I say on their own, I mean on their own. And, and, um, and what I'm discovering is, is they serve God differently than, than I do. Um, than Vicky does. Um, not better, not worse, just 
differently, you know? And that, but that little sentence, that little piece of sentence on their own has been a really difficult thing for me to kind of come to terms with because I honestly, honestly, I feel like I'm better at this now, but uh, it used to be that I, I suffered from what psychologists call control issues, <laughs> you know? And like when my boys in particular, girls, I'm, I'm a sucker, right? You know, they just live, two girls, one right there on each pinky. It's like, dad, it's like, okay, whatever. And my boys know this, you know, <laughs> but uh, anyways, but the boys in particular, you know, I was, you know, I, I would try to teach them to do something and they would say, uh-huh, and then they would do it their own way and it drove me nuts because my way's better, always, right? Anybody else have those similar issues? Yeah, you do. And so now, but I was the same way with my dad and it drove him nuts too. So, but let's apply that spiritually now. This concept of on your own. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12, says, Therefore, my dear friends. Paul's writing to this church in Philippi, and, and he calls them my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation, yours, with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act accord, uh, in order to fulfill his good purpose. So the admonition here is for us to work out our own salvation. This, this phrase, continue to work out, uh, that's how we translate one word in the Greek, all right? Continue to work out. It's, and it literally means to accomplish, to fulfill, to finish, to perform, to bring to fruition, all that kind of stuff. And so it's on us to bring to completion uh, this salvation that God has begun in our lives. But there's another part of it. It says, understanding that God is working in you. Now, when it says that we work out our salvation and that God is working in us, we have the one word work, right? But it's two totally different words, two completely different meanings here. That yes, we work out our salvation. We're the one, we're, we're bringing it to completion here, but not on our own because God is working. And that Greek word is, and I don't think I'm saying this correctly, energio, energio, energio. I don't know. But anyways, we get our word. It, it literally means energize. Isn't that cool? That, that as, we, uh, as we work in our, our, our own salvation, and then it says, it's God who energizes you to do this, to will and to act. He, he, he flips the switch. He turns on the light. You guys don't seem very excited about that, but I am. That, uh, that God energizes us to will and to act according to his good purpose here. Literally giving us this ability and giving us the power to do this. And I came to realize that if I really want my kids to have their own faith, you know, that, that they're the ones that really need to work it out. Understanding that God is the one who fuels them. He guides the ship as they put their faith in him and understanding that he's given Vicky and me a huge responsibility to be a major part of this work, particularly when they're young. And so my, my prayer over my kids has often been that they would work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. And that phrase, fear and trembling, literally means with respect, with reverence, basically to take it seriously. That they would have a faith of their own, they would love Jesus on their own, and they would take that part of their lives very seriously, and it would be important to them. 
thanking God that he's the one who helps them through that. And then I also, it's not on the screen, I go, the very next verse, I use this too. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing. And I think when the Greek says everything, I think it means dishes, all right? Laundry, <laughs> cleaning your room, all that kind of stuff, without complaining or arguing. But I found that it's a progression here, all right, throughout life, you know, from, from birth to adulthood in kids, and, 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 and we've been through the whole gamut, and we're still working through all of that, right? And so here's the essential important part of parenting. Two weeks ago, Scott Rideout was here, remember that? He did two different messages. It was a really cool day, and the 9 a.m. he did one message, and then a completely different one at 10.45. If I had to do that today, Jeff, I'd be, no, no. I'm like, no. You're going to have to pay me more or something. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But um, he said that parents, and he's right on, and I, it's like, yes, that's exactly right. Parents, our goal is to release functioning adults into the world. That's what we're here to do, right? And as Christian parents, that functioning adults that love Jesus into the world. And we move from caretaker from, you know, when they're young, to, to, to coach, to consultant along the way. And he's right on. Our jobs change over time. Babies, right? They need us to do everything for them. If uh, Babies are unsustainable on their own. Uh, they, 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 they couldn't survive without at least one parental figure there to, to care for them, to provide for them, to, to all, all of the stuff babies need, right? And so we literally do everything for a baby. And as they grow, they become aware of the world around them. And we teach them, okay, how to do things safely. Number one job is to keep the tiny humans alive at the end of every day, right? And so... Uh, so safety, you know, creating safety around them, and we have that part of our job. As they grow more, they get filled with wonder about how the world works and all of this, and so our job grows to include education and skills. At some point in this process, they start to become more aware of, of, of abstract concepts, you know? Uh, how do things work? And it's the, hey, Mom, Dad, where do babies come from? That's when that starts to happen right there. You know, how did we get here? And, and that's when more spiritual conversations begin to take place as they become more aware of abstract things. And so our job grows again to include spiritual things. And we're picking up all of this stuff along the way, you know, how to, how to manage money, how to handle relationships and, and conflict and, and, and heartbreak. And parenting's a big job, isn't it? I mean, it's huge. You can do all kinds of important work to make all the money in the world, and there's no bigger job than parenting. And by the time they're, they're teenagers, we're dealing with friends and, and relationships and sexual issues and responsibility and a host of other things, and we're carrying around all of this stuff that's the job of, the big job of parenting. But our job is to release functioning adults into the world, right? That's, that's, that's the goal of parenting here, and how... That can't happen if we're holding on to all of this. And so over time, there, there comes a tipping point where as, as, uh, as they're little and, and, and our job grows, as they grow, and then there comes this tipping point where it's like, you know what? They need to, they, they can handle some of these things here, all right? Yeah, they're alive still, so you're responsible for your safety, you know? You go spend the night over there, you know? Uh, don't do dumb things. Uh, that, I, I borrow the, the phrase from that one movie that's four, four of them now that's named after the donkey, um, if you're, 
if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough, right? <laughs> and so, uh, so, but, you know, your own personal, it's not that I don't provide for those in, in, in like at home and stuff like that, but, but you know, uh, so li- little responsibilities happen here. Uh, this is a decision that we made, and, and it's up to you, and kids, you can't go back to your parents and say, well, Paul and church and the sermon said, they get the grades they get. We, when they're young, they, we, we, we help them and give them structure and stuff and, and help them with homework and all of these kinds of things. But at some point, it's like, you know, it's your future. <laughs> you know, our goal for you is to love Jesus. Okay. And so, and at some point there, not that we don't care and not that we don't continue to encourage and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, our kids have done well, but um, they get the grades they get. And that's something we had a hard time learning. Uh, up to the time my kids got a job, you know. Um, up to that point, I've controlled their finances if they get money from here and there and stuff like that. And it's, this is what we do with money, all right? We save, we give, we spend on ourselves and all these various kinds of things, you know. This will set you up for success, doing it this way. Whether or not they do it, when it comes down to it, and as they grow, I'm not going to control my daughter's married. I don't control their finances anymore, right? I've given that. I had to give that up on her long before she got married. And so it's like, uh, so that she can handle it on her own. And so it's, it's one of those things, whether or not they do it, it's up to them, right? And so, uh, but it's like, look, we've, we've helped you and we've tried to establish some things. If you do this, you'll be successful in this area. When it comes to spiritual things, this probably, I guess, really never stops so much. Not that we're as, uh, 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 controlling that part of their lives, but for a while we do. When, they go to ch- when they're little, when, they, when we go to church, they go to church. Your kids, a lot of your kids are in Kidmo right now because you're here, right? If you weren't here, they wouldn't be there. And so if we go to church, so do they. We pray before a meal, so do they. We sit together for Bible study, so do they. But all of those things in our situation, are a lot more difficult now. You know, family dinners were always a very big priority for us. We sit down to dinner, all right, just about every night. But now we send out a family text. Who's here for dinner tonight, you know, <laughs> and stuff. And, and then if those plans change, it's like, I'm sorry, we didn't plan dinner because you said you weren't going to be here. So <laughs> it's on you now. But, uh, so, but, you know, we still like to... You know, hey, mark this date on your calendar. We want to have a family dinner, something like that, you know. My kids have lives. They have jobs. They have significant others. They have this. They have that going on and friends. Lives that demand their time. And so we trust that as they're out doing their thing, that they will continue to work out their salvation and take it seriously because we're not there to control it. Neither really should we, at that point, be there to control it. But we, but, and I'm going to talk a whole lot more about this, okay? Ben told me I had a lot more time than I realized the clock tells me I actually do. So I'm just going to, you know, go with the first. So, so I guess my, my number one point, to state it simply, is give up control. We control everything when they're little, and then, and, and our job grows, and then there's this tipping point, and it's different probably for every kid, and there's this tipping point where it's like, okay, I'm going to start giving this stuff back to you now, you know? And by the time they're done, it's like, <laughs> see ya. Not quite see ya, but you know what I'm saying, right? Slowly, over the course of time of their lives, we give it back to them to release functioning adults into the world that love Jesus. And it's different for every 
kid, right? Absolutely. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no pattern for that necessarily. Man, we take comfort in the fact, though, that the same God that's working in you with all of your stuff and my stuff is also working in our kids. <laughs> Thank the Lord. He's the one that's, that's energizing here. The whole time, we're continuing to do what we've really worked hard to do from the moment they were born, and that is point number two, very simplified, just live it. Just live it. So we've given up control of our time, but, and then point number two, just live it. And that's the hardest part, isn't it? I mean, let's set aside the parenting aspect for a moment here and just talk about this for just a moment. Because when I say just live it, well, that's where we get tripped up, isn't it? We get tripped up there. That's where we start to feel guilty uh, because we have a hard time sometimes just living it. I had a conversation with a dad about this some time ago. And this dad, this guy, he's a good friend. I admire him. I respect him. But he walked around with so much guilt about his own failures when it came to raising his girls. And, and, and he would say this, and he's a, he's a Christian guy, mind you, and, and, and just an awesome guy, still a great friend. And we've worked through a lot of this kind of stuff together, you know. And so he, I think he's doing better, but, or has a better mindset about things. But he said this, he's like, you know, I just, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible. I have a hard time living this on my own. I make so many mistakes. I really just need the youth group to, to, to do its job on the spiritual end. You know, and then he was really stating that out of all of the goodness that he had, because I mean, we you can you can criticize, but at the same time, he's thinking about it. It's important to him. He just doesn't know what to do with it. And obviously, I don't agree with that. I'm sure Taylor uh, wouldn't agree with that either, right? But uh, let's not be too hard on him. He's thinking about it. It's important to him, you know, and things. But just like him, many parents today struggle with their own failures when it comes to parenting. In a group like this, there's a whole lot of you out there that feel the same way. And I want you to understand that when I say just live it, I'm not qualifying it with the words perfectly or flawlessly, you know, those kind of words like there, because we're not perfect. We are very flawed, aren't we? I know I am. So live it, all of it, ups and downs, successes, failures, forgiveness, and grace. Look, I... Let me just, let me, get, let me, let me say what, what, what a lot of you would say as well, but I want you to hear this coming from me. I made so many mistakes. Anybody else? So many. I, I make, I still have kids in the house. I make so many mistakes. And honestly, inside, I'm just like, ah, I feel like a fraud, you know, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't have any business being a spiritual. Yeah, I'm a pastor at a church. I don't have any business leading my family spiritually, you know, because I make so many mistakes at home, it feels like. And when it comes to faith, we, we work to present ourselves as good and put together. And here's something I don't want you to miss. The result oftentimes, when we ignore it or we just kind of try to present ourselves as, as just all put together, there's no connection made between faith and real life. They just, they miss each other there. Kirk Morgan, several weeks ago, I think it's when he kicked off this series, he did a great job talking about the alarming rate at which high school students leave faith when they leave home, when they graduate high school. And le the leaving home aspect there is, is huge on this because parents, uh, you're the number one influencers in your kid's life. You know, uh, it, it, you may not feel like it, but you are. And it might not have immediate effect, but the lifelong deep effect, you're the number one. So here's my take on one big reason why that happens, you know, with this leaving faith. This, it's an alarming rate. Leaving faith when they, when they graduate high school, leave home. 
One big take, to a big degree, there's probably lots of factors, but many kids don't ever get the opportunity to make the connection between faith and the realities of everyday life. How does it fit? Where do, where do I put it? Because this just happened, and my faith doesn't seem to have an answer for it. Because I'll let you in a little secret, they struggle with sin too. <laughs> they struggle with all of this, how to live it as well. I'm sure there's a desire to. But they struggle and they face temptation on a level that I don't know that I faced in high school. I really think it's a lot of the same stuff. The accessibility is insane. The instantaneous gratification is crazy. Social norms and mores, they've changed to the point where, where, where things that used to be unacceptable and extreme are now accept, accepted and celebrated as, as a full part of, of, of a full human experience, you know? And we've have, we have more complex issues now than, uh, that, that the Bible doesn't seem on the surface to address. And so what do we do with that? And we're telling them, don't do that. Just don't do that. Because that's what we have. I mean, we know what we're supposed to do. We know what we're not supposed to do, right? And we don't always live by it, but it's what we have. And I'm not condemning anyone. No judgment here. Every parent knows that struggle is so real. And I'm, and I'm not standing here as an example of... Do what I did, and, that's, and then your kids are going to be fine, right? I thank the Lord because, it's, you know, my kids, are, they love Jesus. It's, it's true. But I'm not standing here as an example to you saying, here's what we did. You need to do it too here by my book. I'm not doing that. Morgan, um, let me just brag on him. Morgan right now is in Kidmo helping to lead worship. Uh, Landon um, not only does lights many times, not today, he's sitting over there, uh, but he leads the, light minute, the lighting here, you know. Uh, Dayton um, plays drums with the worship, not today again, but, but, he, but he plays drums on the worship team. My, my oldest, Madison, and her husband, they're, they're involved in their church and they love Jesus, they're following him. And so it's awesome, right? Do you know how that happened? The only thing I can come up with is Grace. <laughs> just grace. I've heard sermon after sermon, and you probably have too, of somebody saying, you know, this is what we do, so this is what you need to do, right? I'm not doing that because I made so many mistakes while they're growing up. Eight years ago, uh, this month, the 14th of July, eight years, some of you know about this, but eight years, I had a stroke. Um, recovery was remarkable, but that triggered Four to five years, for whatever reason, whether it was an imbalance or just circumstantial stuff, whatever, however it caused, four to five years of severe depression and anxiety in my life. Uh, pretty hardcore, severe stuff. And when that happened, my kids were 15, 12, 10, and 5. That's not right. I'm like, this isn't fair. You know, I didn't, I didn't do anything to, to, uh, to, get, to get the stroke. I didn't do, the, you know, do anything to have this happen to me. It just, it just happened. And, and the, those most, from five years old to, to 15 years old, those, those precious times, and then four to five years beyond that, when me telling myself, my kids need a dad that has his stuff together, you know, I, I didn't have it together. I was, I was really just a mess inside. And it often showed up on the outside. I often withdrew and those kinds of things. And as much as I, and I know I'm harder probably on myself, but as much as I wanted to be, I was often not what I needed to be for my family. Wasn't always easy to, to live with either. Made so many mistakes and I have regrets. 
Anybody else say, that's me too? I have regrets. I mean, thank God for Vicky, a woman like Vicky. She's rock star over there. Get her to autograph something for you because she's an author. Yeah. So Jesus told the story of two types of people. Luke 18. Um, he says this. He says, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and parenting skills and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers. That's a, I always fight. That's a funny word, robbers. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all. I, I do everything right. People should do what I do. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he looked up to heaven. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That verse has nothing to do with parenting, but that's where I'm coming from when I talk about parenting with you today. Imperfect, <laughs> needing grace, have regrets, thankful that, it's, that, that God works through us as well. So I hope that, that, that you see something that you can identify with, that we, that re, not just because you're, <laughs> you're bad, no, not like that, but, but that parents today, and hopefully in this room some of you can identify with, to say, you know, we're all in this together. I'm not going to stand here and blow smoke at you and tell you that, that you need to do everything I did to ensure that your kids love Jesus. Because I'm convinced, and, and, and don't miss this, all right, this is huge. I'm convinced that the image of having it all together and doing everything right is exactly what destroys faith in our kids. Can I say that again? I'm convinced that the image of having it all together and doing everything right and just presenting that is exactly what destroys faith in our kids because we don't do everything right, right? You know, we don't know everything. We don't have it all together and they know we don't right? And so this image of trying to, you know, that, that's, that's reality that's over here. Here's, you're talking about faith, but this is the reality, and they're not connecting. You get what I'm saying? You follow me? And when we present faith as something that needs to be worked out just right, they see the, ins the insincerity in that. Not that we're not working to do that, I'm just talking about real life here, you know? When they have that chance to watch us fail, and then work that out in our faith, that's genuine. That's genuine. And we come back, you know? That's faith connecting to real life. When we go through hard times and we hold on to faith, as, you know, and, and, and being real about our struggles, that connects faith to real life. That brings the two together in a way. I'm seeing this, you know? So far in this series... Um, Deuteronomy 6 has come up a few times, and for good reason. You know, every, every preacher goes there when we talk about parenting. We, and, you know, it's a great parenting verse of Scripture in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. I, too, am going to go there. It says, these commandments that I give you today. Moses has given the community of Israel uh, God's commandments. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. That word impress um, means to inculcate. That's a word to include in your vocabulary, to inculcate. And that means basically to, to make an impression through um, repetition uh, 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 there. And so impress them on your children. And this is how we do this. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get... 
Whatever you find yourself doing, just talk about them, you know? And then, he, then he talks about literal stuff, tying them as symbols, and the Jews, they really did this, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them to your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates, and, and they literally did that. But what I've always looked at this verse, and, and what I really think the heart is when you take a step back is, look, in the course of everyday life, live this, you know? Uh, prioritize faith here. Look for teachable moments in, uh, throughout the course of everyday life. Our everyday lives are filled with ups and downs, right? So it's like when you, when you lay down, when you wake up, when you walk along the road, when you go to Costco, when you're, you know, where, when you're at work, wherever it is, it's filled with ups and downs, successes and failures. And this says no matter where you are, what happens to set an example of faith? And I'm so glad that it's not up to just me and my efforts. It is God who works. Remember that, what that word works means? It's God that lights it up. It's God that energizes here in them to will and to act according to his good purpose. Here's where it gets real. Not that this other stuff hasn't been real, but this is real, real. <laughs> what if you do the very best you can? You've served together in church You've prayed together at home. You've messed up. You've apologized. You've practiced grace together. What if you've done everything you can to connect faith to real life and they decide it's not for them? What then? What about Proverbs 22.6? Didn't God say, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And that's where, as parents... Some of you are having issues because faith and reality don't, they're not mixing. Because didn't we get a promise? Let's leave it up there just for a moment. Didn't we get a promise about this? So God, what's going on? I did the best I can. No, I wasn't perfect, but I'm doing the best I can. I did the best I can. This is, I think this is a very misunderstood verse in, of, of Scripture here. So, I think sometimes the, 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 the translations can be a little unfortunate because if you really look this up, a lot of Bible scholars and theologians agree that this verse is not a promise but a warning. Okay, so just hear me out on this. I'm not trying to change your mind about the scripture, but I'm just telling you, a whole lot of people, smart people about the Bible agree that this is not a promise, but a warning. Now, to be fair, the literal Hebrew is a concept that is completely foreign to us as modern American humans, right? And it literally says this, let a child go in the way of his mouth. What, what? <laughs> let a child go in the way of his mouth, and when he's old, he'll continue in that. So essentially what it's saying is, let a child go in the way they want to go, and when they get older, they're going to stay there. They're not going to depart from that foolishness as they grow, you know. And so I just rocked some worlds here, didn't I, <laughs> you know. And so I want to just, here's a different perspective on that verse, okay, that a lot of theologians, a lot of Bible scholars agree that this is a warning and not a promise. You just let a kid do what they want to do with no instruction, all that kind of stuff like that, no example to set before them. And as they get older, they're going to stay doing what they do and not going to depart from that. We've taken that as a promise, and we have our own struggles when faith and reality don't line up. Because we know this. Despite what we may believe about that verse, we know there's no magic bullet, right? 
There's no formula. There's no definite promise that if a kid is raised in church, they're going to end up serving God. However, we are instructed as parents, we have a big job to to set an example of how to live for God in the course of everyday life. Even through the failures of that, how to recover from that failure and come through in faith with that failure through our victories and mistakes, forgiveness, grace, love, and acceptance. I'm sure you've seen the movie Finding Nemo. Right? Finding Nemo is one of my favorite Disney Pixar movies. Probably, probably my favorite. But uh, remember the scene. It's toward the end of the movie, uh, kind of at the part of the sermon where I'm at now. It's not, it's not done yet, but it's kind of getting toward the end. Okay? Uh, remember Marlon and Dory are in the whale? And the whale is speaking whale, and Dory understands whale. And uh, she's like, um, he's, he's telling us to get back to the back of the throat. And Marlon's like, no way, that's where he's going to eat us, you know? And so, um, and, 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 but Dory's all ready to do it. And it's this climax scene here, and Dory's hanging on, and the whale, you know, is trying to get him back there. And, and, and Marlon asks this question, how do you know something bad isn't going to happen? And that was a huge moment in the movie, existentially, 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 parentally for Marlon, and that is for us as well today. You, some of you are still hung up over this whole give up control thing that I was talking about, because how do you know something bad's not going to happen, you know? Dory says, and so she's hanging on, and she goes, and, and he, how do you know something bad's not going to happen? And, and she's holding on with her little fin, and she's like... I don't. And she lets go. Pfft, falls down. It turns out good, you know. <laughs> That's tough, isn't it? That's tough. You do everything you can to pass along your faith, right? You, you pray together. You, you study the Bible together. You read it together. You serve together. We're in church together. And, and, and I hope that by now those things are understood. I really do. I, I hope that's understood. It's good stuff, Spirit, these spiritual disciplines in our lives. And, and I just want to put in a plug for that. You're doing that parenting class coming up soon, right? Uh, pay attention to that. Sign up for that. Go to that. But more than any of that, live this out in front of them. Because I, look, I have a massive trust that God loves my kids more than I do. Paul isn't that irresponsible just to, just to let all, all this stuff and I have a massive trust that God loves my kids more than I am ever capable of loving them. And I love them a lot, okay? I'm thankful that he's able to redeem my shortcomings. That he's not just working in me, but he's also working and energizing that he, he flips the switch, he shines the light, he energizes it at some point to will and to act according to his good purpose. So there's no guarantee that nothing bad's going to happen, that everyone will turn out just like we want them to here. God made us human, and he knows exactly what that means, right? And he gave each one of us the power to choose. And the fact that we have the power to choose completely eliminates any formula to say, well, I did this, so they have, they have to serve God. You know what I mean? Because they have the power, it's the same power that you have to choose, they have the power to choose. There's no such thing as you do ABC when they're young and they'll get one, two, three when they're old. I can't, I can't guarantee that my own family, that my own kids will continue in my faith and values. I can't guarantee that. And at this point, I really can't control that part of their lives. It's not that I don't want to, it's just that it's impossible, right? 
but I have a strong hope. And, and when the Bible talks about hope, this is a biblical hope. When the Bible talks about hope, it's not just this wish. I hope it turns out right. You know, it's not that. This hope, this biblical hope really talks about that there is this, I have this, just not yet, right? And I'm looking forward to this. And I have a strong hope that a love for Jesus will continue throughout their lives. And I'm very grateful and that ultimately God himself is the one who lights all this stuff up and energizes that part of their lives. I mean, I, I wish I could give you something different. I really do. But I, I, that, uh, some sort of spiritual kit in a box, right? Here, take this with you. $59.99, out the door. Your kids are going to serve Jesus. But it doesn't exist because they're just kids. They're, you know, because, not just kids. I, I didn't mean to say that. Because they're kids. Kids are messy. Families are messy. We are messy, right? We have a magnet on our fridge. Uh, it says, you call it chaos, we call it family. <laughs> and, uh, and it's very true. But at the same time, I, I wish I could give you something a little different, but at the same time, I hope I'm giving you encouragement, actually. Encouragement as parents and grandparents, legal guardians. Maybe you want to be a parent sometime here and you're scared to death about it. I mean, should I really be raising another human being, right? And I'd say yes, Yes, everything that makes you you, everything that God loves about you most and maybe even rolls his eyes over you the most, yes, live that out openly. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to do everything right. I'm convinced that when you see, that, that when your kids see you wrestle through all of that, all of life, the ups and downs, and, and come out the other side stronger for it, that they won't forget that. It's not going to forget it. It's going to make, that's going to be that impression that Deuteronomy 6 talks about right there. It'll make that lifelong impression. When they hear you say, hey, I'm sorry, I blew it. I made a mistake. Forgive me, please. That's that impression once again. They don't forget that kind of stuff here, you know? So we have a responsibility, right? To live this, to come through on the other side with faith and all that. But the fact that we don't do it right makes it more real. I hope that, that comes through. The fact that we don't always get it right. And kids, understand, we don't always get it right, you know? So let's all show a little grace to each other here, right? I guess what we're really talking about is being genuine and authentic. Just genuine, authentic parenting. Those two words we like in, in the church, right? Genuine and authentic. These two words have nothing to do with being perfect. Not at all. Just real. And so, Lord, today, <clears throat> my prayer is that not just parents, but grandparents, even some kids in the room today, would be encouraged. Because, Lord, we, uh, we've built our lives on you, Jesus. <clears throat> and we're doing the best that we can. And I'm not just trying to minimize spiritual disciplines and growing in our own faith. No, 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 not, not, not a bit here. But just acknowledging the fact that in the course of everyday life, we don't always get it right. And thanking you that you have a way of working through all of that. That you have a way of redeeming our failures. 
that you love our families, our kids, more than we do. I want to speak for a moment in the room to maybe there's some maybe there's some parents in the room. Maybe your kids are young. Maybe they're adult kids. Who knows? And this is a tough, this is tough for you. Because maybe they've made a decision to not follow Jesus. That they, it's not for them. And it breaks your heart. Breaks your heart. All I know is God has a way. Are there any guarantees? No. But God's the one that's working in them, energizing this part of their lives. And God, I pray that you would flip on the light in this part of their life, Lord Jesus. And God, that they would begin to work out salvation and take it seriously. Lord, those who struggle with regret, and mistakes that we've made. Lord, we, we, we're our worst critics and we beat ourselves up so bad. But I thank you, God, that you made us human and that's exactly how you love us and that's how you redeem us, Lord. Father, you've never called us to be perfect. I understand the words, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, but that's, that's a different kind of a concept than what we're talking about here right now. That's another sermon for another day maybe. Bible does talk about that when we do sin we have an advocate with the Father and that's Jesus and you redeem everything in our lives and so Father I pray for comfort I pray for blessing I pray for salvation for kids who might not be who, who, who might be far off right now and I pray for encouragement for, for those who are in the throes of, of child rearing Lord God you give them strength God you give them hope today And Father, you would energize us as we work out our own salvation in everyday life in front of them. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We invite you to connect with us. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at welcometomosaic.com slash give. Have a great week.